Pie and a pint. Pie and a pint. Pie and a pint. Pie and a pint. Welcome back to Pine and Pint Podcast, and it is the big one. Warren Barton is joining us, so let's get straight into it. Hi, Warren. You all right? Hey, you all right? Hi, guys. How are you? Good, thank you. Are you? Yeah, good. How is it in uh, California? Sunny. <laughs> 70 degrees and sunny. It's, it's been like that for the last about 25 years. But yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> we've had one day where we've had a little bit of rain, but other than that, it's good. Right. Hence the reason why I moved. <laughs> yeah. No, you're <laughs> here, so... Uh... Yeah, Looking out my window right now, it's just begun throwing it down and it's absolutely Baltic, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm going to go for a walk on the beach later, so I think of you. Oh, man. <laughs> <Stop> it. <laughs> We're not jealous, I promise. <laughs> so, starting out at Maystone United in 1989, at that time we was in the fourth division. How did you get into the game and becoming a professional footballer for Maidstone? Uh, I think like most people or most young young people growing up in England and Britain um, you know I played over the park with my brother with my my sibling um, I had an older brother uh, John who's four, four years older than me even at the age of five or six we used to go over the park and play one we one got into you know Sunday football uh, school district county etc etc and then uh, went into academy uh, as it is now uh, got told twice I was too small uh, not going to make it played uh, for Leighton Orient when the old, it used to look, look a bit too young, but it was the old YTS scheme, uh, £27.50 a week when it first started uh, in the mid-80s. And that gave me the chance to be at Leighton Orient. They then let me go and said, I'm too small. So I went down the bottom of my road and played non-league football uh, for Leighton Stone Ilford. Uh, was there about a year. And then got the move to Maidstone, uh, who had just been in the non-league, but then promoted into the, to, to the football league. Um, and it was a great... Uh, time for me. Keith Peacock and the old West Ham defender Tommy Taylor was in charge at the time. Um, just getting into the football league as well. There, you know, we were travelling the games on on British Rail, uh, wearing our blazers and and grey flannels and trying to look smart and professional. Um, and that's all I ever wanted to do was be a professional footballer. Um, that's all I knew, to be honest with you. I got told at, at school, secondary school, look, you're not doing a lot, so you may as well go and play football somewhere. So I took up. <laughs> A little bit of bricklaying course as well and I don't know whether you've seen the article I've worked in a chartered accountant for a year while I was playing non-league football Arthur Anderson's and uh, I just kept going uh, that's all I wanted to do and whether it was non-league and then have the opportunity to to play uh, in the football league to be a professional that was my dream uh, that was my focus and as I said I had an older brother that we used to go and play and going over the park and I was always uh, Brian Robson and he was Liam Brady and uh, we'd go out there and play. And uh, so, he, you know, put me in that, that direction. But, uh, you know, like millions and millions of people, you know, we'd play Sunday football and play with your mates over the park until it was dark. Uh, and even then you just even kept on going. So, you know, playing as a professional and getting paid for something you love doing. Um, it's something that I think I carried right away throughout my career. Um, because I, I do realise how, how lucky I was. And uh, it does take a little bit of luck, uh, but getting that chance at Maidstone was was brilliant for me. And uh, it was something that I, I really cherished. And we had a great time, made the playoffs, lost to Cambridge United, where Big Dion Dublin was playing, actually. Uh, and him and myself moved reasonably at the same time uh, from, from lower league up into, the, if you like, the big league, the Premier League, as it is now. Yeah. So... 
From Maidstone, actually, you did move to sort of Wimbledon, known as the Crazy Gang. What was it like playing with players like Vinnie Jones and sort of them guys? Oh, it was boring. It wasn't fun at all. Um, <laughs> you know, going back to the, the non-league scene where I played with Dagenham and Redbridge, you know, being in a, a changing room with, you know, a policeman, a builder, an electrician, a plumber, uh, and if you lose the game for £5, you was going to know about it. Um, so that gave me a little bit of character. And then the same with the lower league uh, players, you know, for us to go and win a game was to, you know, the bonus was to look after our families for the weekend. So it gave me good uh, grounding and upbringing. And also the way I've been brought up, you know, with my, as I said, with my brother, my mum uh, and my sister, you know, we've had to work for everything. You know, nothing was given to us. And then going into Wimbledon, they have that mentality that they'd come from the lower leagues and we'd always kept that sort of focus and, and grounding and, you know, particularly you know, the likes of Vinnie Jones, John Fashionew. But we'd also had a Keith Kerr with Terry Field and John Scales, myself, that had gone on to play for arguably some of the biggest clubs, Liverpool, Newcastle, uh, Manchester City. So they had that conveyor belt of young players. But there was one instance, and I, I learnt pretty quickly, and it was actually John Fashion, not Vinnie Jones, that we, we played a game against Derby, and it sort of kicked off a little bit in midfield, as it, <laughs> as it normally did. <laughs> and I went running in, just in sort of being passivizer, just separating the players. And big John come over and just, he nearly broke my arm, pushed my arm down and, and went after their player. So as I'm walking in the tunnel, uh, and as I said, we, we, we were doing reasonably well at the time, he grabbed me around the neck and book, took me into the chain. I thought, oh my God, I'm going to get smashed to pulp here. He's going to kill me. He just said, don't ever do that again. And I said, well, what do you mean? He went, don't ever split it up. It's us always against them. That's our mentality. Whatever we need to do, we stick together. Um, and that was one thing that's hit home to me pretty early. As I said, I think it was the second or third game in my time there. And um, that mentality. And Arsenal, if you remember way, way back with Tony Adams and Steve Bold and Winterberg, they'd all go running over Patrick Vieira and then obviously Man United with Roy Keane and Beckham and Rio and all of us. It, it sort of, you know, amalgamated from, from sticking together. And it, it was us against them. And uh, we maybe didn't have the mentality or the skill, but we certainly have that togetherness. And my five years at Wimbledon, we always finished in the top eight, seven in the league so it was a it was a good time and great people um we had we could never get away with it now um quick quick story with with richard keys when sky was really coming to the forefront um we was at selhurst park we'd gone away from plough lane which is another totally another story what we used to do to people's coffee and sugar and and, and in the changing rooms as well so that, that's a whole another story but richard keys was doing a a hot a, 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 before the game interview going along our tunnel. And anyone that's been to Selhurst Park, it still hasn't changed now. It's very, very narrow. So Richard has gone on and he's done a rehearsal while we're warming up. And we're thinking, he can't be that naive. Because it goes, the away team changer in, the referees. And then before you go out into the tunnel, it's the home team, which was at the time Wimbledon. Uh, we was playing someone like Man City on the Monday night or whatever it was. So he's done the rehearsal. So all we're now talking, uh, getting warmed up for a big game on a Monday night, is what we're going to do to Richie Keys. So we're thinking, okay, fine. And you can imagine all the, all the things that are going to happen. So it goes, and we, it comes back in again, and we're thinking, sh you know, joking here is trying to do a team talk, and Ray Hartford, they're trying to get us ready for the game. But all the lads are having a look at the physio, the trainer, saying he's, he's just doing the live hit now. He's going to come down the tunnel. So in that, he's walking down, and here we are on a Monday night. We have the Man City changing room here, the Grand Pole, the referee here, and the crazy gang. And we've got our music going and blaring. As he's gone like that, the crazy gang, we've grabbed his arm 
pulled him into the the uh, changing room, roughed up all his hair, and he loves being a macklet, Richard. We've mussed yeah. up his hair, we've cut his tie, ripped his shirt, front, <laughs> ripped his jacket, thrown him back out, and the professional Richard is, he still kept going about, and here we are with the crazy game. <laughs> but, no, we're in the stitches, and then we're going out five minutes later to go and play a Premier League, <laughs> Premier League game live oh. on a Monday night. But our main focus for that day was about getting Richard Keyes, scruffing him up, cutting his tie, ripping his shirt and uh, suit and frying him back out into the corridor. Um, we went on and obviously I think we won the game. But that was the things that we would do. Another quick story about the crazy gang. And I just got into the England setup, and things was going well. At the time, you'd get a, a, a fax that come through. So Joe Kinnear or Ray Hartford, whoever it would be at the time, you know, Terry Feeding had been selected for Ireland and Warren had been selected for England and good luck to him. So we train and go about. So I'm thinking the lads are going to, do something to me. So I go to my car at the end of it, you know, it was just a, a golf little golf. It was a GTI, but it's actually a GT. I couldn't afford the I. So just a, D, a GT. All my tires are slashed. So I'm like, hey, come on, boys, I've got no money. You know, can someone help me out? So you go straight to Vinny or Fash. Have you got any money for the tires? And, you know, it's out of order, but I, you know, I take it on the chin and that's part of what we do. Lo and behold, I didn't know it was the owner, same a man, same a man that actually slashed my tires. So it wasn't one of the players or Vinny or Fash or anyone else. It was a bloody owner of the club that was one slashing all my tires. That was the way of saying, keep your feet grounded and you're not <laughs> going to go anywhere. So, you know, John Hartson come, we set his clothes on fire. Uh, people used to cut their clothes up if they was just like, got a even if you just got a man of the match, then we cut something up. But it was all part of it um, that we would do. And another quick story about, uh, we had a very good player, Kenny Cunningham, lovely, lovely fella, but mm -hmm. his wife run the house. She run, bought his suit, bought his clothes. She bought everything for him. So we cut his tie one game. He come into it. She went ballistic in the players' land at Vinny. You're this. It's out of order. So we're all looking at ourselves, lads. We've got to keep, we'll keep doing this. Don't worry. Next time, cut his tie, cut his shoes, cut his socks, go back in the players' land. She goes ballistic again. This went on for three weeks. Finally, Kenny come in with no socks on, just got on with it, just didn't worry about it, and said, okay, now... She gets it, and she's like, okay, fine, I understand, and, uh, and just got on with it. But it was great, great times. As I said, we couldn't get away with it. It's great that they're back at player lane now, uh, AFC Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, but it was a real time of going from that non-league to, obviously, what it is now, the Premier League, and it, you know, playing with, with, with good players and having that opportunity to move on. So, but as you can tell, uh, I loved every minute of it because it was so, so funny, and Good job we never had Instagram or Twitter or, or, or phones at that time because I won't be here talking to you. I'll probably be locked up somewhere. <laughs> Sorry then, if, if you played for Wimbledon, definitely don't wear a tie, I think is the take -up. Don't wear, any, don't wear anything. Don't wear nice. anything. <laughs> don't wear anything. If you value anything, don't wear it because it ain't going to last long. It ain't going to last long. And you just, you know, you don't get that. I don't think it's, like you say, social media probably dictates the level of personality and character players can have because everything's so orchestrated by the club and trying to keep the profile slick and professional and everything. So it's nice to hear. And that never influenced, like you say, never affected you on the pitch because, you know, you were so hard to beat. That I always compare Burnley, who are my club, similar style to Wimbledon, you know, it, not, no offence intended by this, not necessarily pretty, you know. We, we might have played more football than you, Slot. I've no doubt. I've no doubt. You watched us night against Brighton. But, do you know what I mean? It's that kind of, um, I think that there's a lack of respect sometimes because you, you get results the way you can with the money available and everything like that. And 
like you say, consistent performance in the Premier League um, from your guys. Was, it, it, it sometimes feels like you didn't get the respect you deserve, I don't think. Yeah, I, and I don't, at the time, we didn't really care because that was part of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what drove us on. My, our biggest compliment is when Sir Alex Ferguson um, come down to Sellers Park and that famous Cantona goal with the, oh, the yeah. yellow and green shirt, the volley that, that went in. Um, he come out in his book and said, when we didn't get intimidated by Wimbledon, not, not Liverpool or Arsenal or Chelsea or whoever, I knew we'd win the title. So they come down, again, it was another Monday night, they come down and the, fir- the first tackle as well, that's on Insta. If you ever see it from Vinny on Cantona, it was near his groin area. He's gone in to try and do it. They then stood up and they had characters. I mean, Mark Hughes could look after him. still see Bruce, Dennis Irwin, Paul Ince. So we thought, we can't outplay him. We've got to try and get, get into him and get, and get involved. And they stood up. You know, whether it was Giggs, whoever, Lee Sharp, whoever we was playing against. And one, he said, once we knew we could do that, listen, we could play a little bit. We, we wasn't as bad as, but it was a big part of our game. If we couldn't get, you know, we win a lot of games in the tunnel, you know, against Coventry or Norwich or Southampton, whoever it was, we would win. But when Fergie said that, that was sort of a bit of a feather in our cap because, you know, we, 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 we would do everything. You know, we didn't have the, the, the players um, and the ability, but togetherness, can take you like I mean look what Leicester did you know yeah, that yeah. spirit and togetherness and that's why you look at Liverpool and their social media it's different now but they're always doing something together they're always having yeah. a bit of fun or a bit of banter and, and whether it's from uh, Mo Salah from Egypt or Henderson from from Sunderland there's yeah. something going on of Van Dyke so that shows you well as their ability that it, it can drive you on and um, I think when you look at all successful teams and not just teams that win trophies you must have that togetherness and uh, that respect for each other because yeah. I knew when I went over the line that I'd, they'd have my back. And, you know, that, that's something. And Arsenal had that when they went for United team have had that backbone and Chelsea had it with you know, their players. We was never at that level, but we, we punched above our weight. And um, uh, as I said, it, it, it come from the top. It come from the owner right the way through. Oh, and yeah. and Vinny, <laughs> Vinny and Fash policed it quite well because no one was going to say anything to them too. <laughs> and then, um, so obviously from Wimbledon, you moved on, you did go to, at the time, right to the top level, to Newcastle, who were sort of challenging for the title. And obviously the <clears throat> the Kevin Keegan, I'd love it if we beat them season, you're a big part of that. Um, so what? How, how how did your time differ there from Wimbledon? Was it, any, any ties it, get cut? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it still had that, you know, because of the Geordie mentality with like Steve Howie, Steve Watson, uh, Lee Clark, Robbie Elliott, and even Pedro, Peter Beersley, because he'd been built up in that surroundings. It was about the team. Uh, but then you had some, you know, world-class players, like obviously Ginola, Aspria we had in the team. Um, but from being at Wimbledon, which was being a, an established Premier League player, was about winning something then. As a boy growing up, it was never about the money it was about playing in a cup final playing for england trying to win a trophy that was my that's what drove me on when i got told i was too small you're not going to make it going out for runs when it's pouring down with rain trying to get there so you know when kevin keegan come knocking at the door and there was a lot of uh links at the time because john scales had just gone to liverpool the year before and then it was like who's the next one on the wimbledon conveyor belt and it you know, fortunately for me i've been involved in the england setup with Terry Venables getting ready for Euro 96. So I was in the shot window and um, 
whether it was Sheffield Wednesday at the time, Everton. I'd actually was on the motorway going up to Blackburn to speak to Kenny Dalgleish as well. Celtic was another one. Spoke to David Dean at Arsenal, but at the time they didn't have a, a manager. Uh, and it was a bank holiday Monday, and I'll never forget it. Alan Shearer had scored the winner for Blackburn, a uh, far post header against Newcastle. Quite mm. ironic. Um, and I went and met Kevin Keegan in a hotel, and his opening line was me. I'm sitting there with my agent. He said, come and join a big club. Um, and I wasn't disappointed. You know, you, you go there with the expectations. You looked around that changing room already. They had the likes of Rob Lee that was there, Steve Howie that was in the England setup, Barry Venison, who was coming to the end. And he was great with me, Venners, when I was with the England setup. We'd be there together. And he told me about the area, about the people and about the club. Obviously, I'd play for a small club like Wimbledon in London, which, again, you, you know, you can walk around very cosmopolitan. But up there, you're thrown in there into a, a goldfish bowl. Um, and you either sink or swim. And, uh, you know, at the time, it was a record for a defender. Les Ferdinand come in as well. He was a good friend of mine with England and he was at QPR. He come for six million. Shaka Hislop from Reading. And then, you know, the, the final piece was hopefully going to be David Ginola uh, coming from PSG. And, you know, to go in that changing room with them quality players and that togetherness and that spirit, you know, it's no well documented, the, you know, the the nights out we would have together and, you know, going for pasta and there'd be like 22 players turning up. Me and Les would just say, oh, we're going to go for something to eat locally. And there'd be 18, 20 other lads there come and have something to eat. Not all boozing, but we'd come out and be all be together, have our food and then get ready for training the next day. So that drove us on. And with him, um, Kevin, start the style of football that he wanted, the fans, you know, anyone that's ever been up to St. James's Park, um, the atmosphere when it's rocking up there, it's arguably the, the best atmosphere in the world. And, you know, I'm biased, obviously. We'd go to Coventry, there'd be 7,000 fans there. We'd go to Blackburn. We was the first club to sell out behind the goal there. Um, uh, Ewood Park and have, you know, people climbing at the rafters at home. There'd be 10,000 people on the waiting list. You know, our shirts would be coming out the granddad collars. There'd be like 5,000 people at midnight at a club store trying to, you know, do that. And just a quick example of the difference of clubs at Wimbledon. We played Bolton on a Saturday afternoon. Me and Terry Gibson, the old Manchester United Tottenham player at Wimbledon. We counted how many people was at the stadium when we was getting warmed up. There was, I'll never forget, 456, I think it was. We was there counting. And so that was at the beforehand. We turned up. I mean, at the end, the, the game got 1,900. I think it's the record for the lowest attendance in the Premier League, Wimbledon-Bolton. We turned up for training the first day, me, Les, Ginola and, and Shaka. There was five and a half thousand people at the training ground watching us train. So I've gone from a Premier League game where there's only 1,900 or you yeah. know, just under 2,000 to 5,000 people just to watch me train. So yeah. it was a magnificent club, a great club, uh, obviously one that is still close to my heart. I had eight years out there. I loved every minute of it. Um, the only thing is that we didn't win it. You know, we was you know, points clear. We was 12. They had a game in hand. Um, and I've always said it's not for, for me, but just for the club, for the city, for the people up there. Um, you know, uh, that's the th one thing we all regret. And I, whether I speak to Les, David, Shaq, whoever it is, that's the one thing that always hits home that we never got over the finishing line. Um, great credit to, to United, although it pisses you off having to say it. But, you know, um, they beat us at home, the Cantona 1-0. And that was a big turning point because we battered them in the first half. Maybe in hindsight, it's a great thing and said, look, that halftime, let's not lose this game. Mm. But KK said, let's go and win him. Let's go and show it. We got a sucker punch. And then Fergie started with the mind games and Kevin being Kevin, bit into it with the Ellen Road. We'd love it if we beat them. Yeah. Uh, but we've just felt short and they're winners. And unfortunately, we wasn't. And that's sometimes the difference, that mental toughness and that 
doing what you've got to do to get over the finishing line. And we felt short, but um, some of the style of football and the players that I played with was was phenomenal. If you told me it's uh, 13 years of age, you're too small, and they're going to say, well, you're going to play in the cup final, you're going to play England, you're going to play with the likes of Ginola and Peter Beersley and Gary Speed and Rob, you know, these type of players week in, week out, Alan Shearer. Shay given it, it, you know, it's a dream come true. So it was, it was a privilege playing for the club, and I loved every minute of it. And it's, it's obviously a big, big part of my life. Absolutely, amazing. And I think you mentioned about how, <clears throat> you know, Kevin said, "Go out, let's win it." You know, I think, yeah. In retrospect, I'm sure that that eats him up, and obviously the players associated. I guess in that maybe if you'd been a bit more, you know, sterile, should we say, and sat back. But I think. I speak for most football fans when I say this. I'm not a Newcastle fan. None of us three are. And, you know, you're still the team that's remembered from those years ahead of United. But I'll tell you a quick story, Luke, as well. About February time, it was probably just before the United game or maybe just after. And there was me, Peter Beardsley was the captain, and Les Ferdinand, who I got on, obviously, was a good, good friend of mine. We were having, after training, we were sitting there having a uh, cup of tea. I was going to say coffee. We didn't drink coffee up there. It was all tea. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, do you think maybe we need to have a word with the gaffer, like have a meeting? Like, we just lost a little bit of momentum. And, you know, what can we do to change it? And Peter went, he won't change. He'll either win it his way. And it's a bit like Pep at the moment Pep we all see sometimes the floor at the back line and how he leaves himself isolated with his defenders but he's never he's going to win it his way and that's how Kevin was with the fans and he was never going to change you know Kenny Dalglish come in a little bit later uh, about 18 months later and cha- and changed it and we managed to get in the we finished second again we got to a cup final we we got in the Champions League but the fans didn't really enjoy what we was doing and we'd win 1-0 at Highbury we go 1-0 away at Blackburn. We win games 1-0. And we managed to finish, as I said, second. Very similar. But Kevin was only going to do it that way. And we actually had a little chat, which arguably I would think the senior players, which would be Peter and Les. And he said he ain't going to chat. I mean, look at the 4-3 against Liverpool. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he, he was never... That was part of, yeah. of what the club was, the identity. Yeah, we're proud of it. But 25 years later, I'd love to have a medal. Not yeah. again, not for me, but for the for the clubs. When I see Premier League and you see like Leicester, Blackburn, and then you see Liverpool after thirty years, I would love to have. I would love it. I would love it. I'd love it if we'd had Newcastle up there. But um, you know, it's a, it's lovely the time we had, and you know, we talk about it and the the togetherness and the football and the city. You know, when you used to go up there, the the nightlife was 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 crazy, and the, the apartments being built, the restaurants, the development—it was all part of that mid '90s of what we was doing. And um, you know, as I said, it was a wonderful, wonderful time in my life. Amazing. Um, right. Okay. We do with with all of our guests, Warren. We have a what we call a Pro Five quiz, which is just five questions about your career. It's now named the Tommy Lee Pro Five quiz because ex-Chesterfield goalkeeper Tommy Lee was the first to get okay. the five, so he he got the name in oh, right. Oh wow! Um, yeah. You didn't warn so, me about this. No, it's, <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me about Bobby Robson and things like that. Not, <laughs> not give me a quiz. <laughs> Told you I left school when I was fourteen. It's all about you. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I can't remember. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing too serious. Um, no, no, I'm gone. I'm, I'm good. I'm good for fun. <laughs> Number one is uh, you made 277 Premier League appearances during spells at Wimbledon, Newcastle, and Derby. 
For which mm -hmm. of those clubs did you make the most Premier League appearance? Wikipedia can be a little bit misleading as well. It is, <laughs> it is Wimbledon. It was Wimbledon that I made more of this of was more pr Premier League. But I I'll give you it. Oh, yeah. was it? It was. Um, it said Newcastle. I took that from the the Premier League website. But I mean, you. Oh, you, well, then, no, you're right then, because I always I always thought it was Newcastle. Yeah. The Premier League, yeah. because obviously some of my games, but they transferred. So I would I would always said Wimbledon, uh, Newcastle. But yeah. for some reason, they carry the Football League one. So, ah, Premier no, League. No, okay. Premier League, yeah, you're right. Uh, it is. But, yeah, I would have said Newcastle. Yeah, but it's, yeah. First Division stroke Premier League was women. Yes. But, yeah. yeah. I'll get a point oh, for that, boys. I'll, I'll get a point for that. That's my mulligan. That's my <laughs> mulligan. <laughs> um, number two, it was 162 for Newcastle, 101 for Wimbledon in the Premier League. Okay. Um, number two, in your Premier League career, you scored 10 goals. Who did you mm -hmm. score the most for? Again, took from the Premier League website, so it's their fault, not mine. It's uh, you got you got none for Derby, so it's yeah, I know that. Yeah, I've scored a couple of own goals for them. Uh, <laughs> for I got a couple of own goals. That doesn't count. I know, I think I only got four for Newcastle, so I'm going to go Wimbledon, and Spot I played on. a bit of time, bit yeah. of time in midf midfield there. So yeah. yeah, six for Wimbledon, four for Newcastle. Good. Don't forget the own goal. Don't forget the own goals as well. <laughs> We've not included the own goal. <laughs> I'll take them now. <laughs> um, number three, throughout your career, you made over 400 senior appearances. Which teammate did you play alongside on the most occasions? And we've got uh, a choice of three. So it's Rob Lee, uh, B, Alan Shearer, or C, Hans Sagers. Oh, I think it would be Rob because I played Derby with him. I would have said yeah. Rob Lee. Yeah, Rob 188 Lee. appearances with, with Rob Lee, 123 Hans Sagers. Out of, out of all of them games, he never bought me one drink. Don't ever, go out for a dr <laughs> don't ever go out for a beer with Rob Lee. This is a true story. When we was at Derby, we went into three rounds, three rounds, and he still never bought it. It was only me and him in the bar. Three rounds. It was unbelievable. And I was thinking, I'm going to count him here, but three drinks in, and he still never bought it. It was only me and him in there. So, anyway, we'll have to get Rob Lee on there. Get Rob Lee on there. Ask him. Well, we'll need your help with that. If you have yeah, okay. yeah. him on, get him on. Right, okay. You're three for three, Warren. Um, number four, you made the Champions on. League debut on September 17th, 1997 against who? Now, are you saying the, the debut was the group stage or to uh, qualify? Uh, Can you clear it up, please? It's Can a group, you clear it up, group please? stage match. It's a group oh, stage match. Group stage. stage. Well, it would be Barcelona, then. Correct. Three-two victory as well. That's that's not a bad yeah, one. Right. Check their team. Rivaldo and yeah, Figo. Figo was in there. Luis Enrique. Figo's in here somewhere. I got him in here. Luis <laughs> <laughs> Enrique, I got your shirt. Rivaldo, I couldn't get near him. What was anyway. it like then playing against sort of legendary players like that? In a rocking games as well, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was uh, not only being the Champions League, but you're playing against Argovy, one of the most famous clubs in the world, Barcelona. And then you put Vivaldo at the time that was in the top five players in the world, Figo, uh, Luis Enrique, uh, and Louis van Gaal was the, was the coach. But we, we weren't a bad team as well. We had yes. Tino Spurier, had that look in his eye. Uh, Keith Gillespie that, that night was on fire. And I think the atmosphere from the, the fans and for that, probably 70 minutes we was unplayable but we knew they would have a turnaround and for the last 20 minutes we was was hanging on Shea Given made some 
great saves and there was a little bit of panicking at the end. But I think what we did in the first hour, 70 minutes, de deserved to get through because um, it was just a special, special occasion. But yeah, a bit surreal. But, you know, as I said, by that time, I'd been playing enough and you want to be playing against some of the best players. I've been playing against people like Giggs and uh, Henri and Burkamp and then, you know, week in, week out. So you, you sort of get not blasé, but you you want to play against the best. And Figo, obviously, arguably, was one of the best. He actually got swapped over on the other side. He got he, they they told him to swap over. Go against Burford. He, he's easier. Can't get past Martin. <laughs> I just kept on kicking it to Gillespie down the line, and he just kept crossing it. It's quite simple. People going about this football. It's easy. Just give it to someone who's quick, and they cross it. Not rocket science. Amazing. <laughs> um, right. Okay. Uh, question five on the uh, the Pro 5 quiz. You played under 13 managers in your career, including caretakers. Can you name five of them? Oh, yeah. Uh, Ray Hartford, Peter Wiv, yeah. uh, Joe Kinnear, Kevin yeah. Keegan, Kenny Dalgleish, yeah. Rude Hullet, which was a shambles, by the way, uh, Bobby <laughs> Robson, John Gregory, uh, George Burley for a little bit, uh, and obviously Keith Peacock at the beginning. Yeah. How many of them lot did I get sacked? <laughs> I think I definitely got Peter with the sack. <laughs> Wimbledon. Uh, rude. We was, there was a conspiracy. We were trying to get him out from day one. No, no, no. I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, so, yeah, it was... I think I named all of them. Did I miss anyone out? Uh, there was a few. There was Ian Holloway, Stuart Murdoch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Stuart Murdoch, Ian Holloway. Um, Mark Lillis. Mark Lillis. Uh, Mark Lill. Yeah, he must Mark have took Lill. over. Yeah, yeah, Mark Lillis must have took over for in between John Gregory. Yeah, Lill. Ian all the way. He was crazy when I was at Cupid. He, <laughs> I went there. I was 35. So I'd left uh, Derby. George had come in and said, look, you, we're going to go in a different direction. Uh, we're going to move you on. So I said, fine, no, no, no problem. Went down to QPR. I was on about, I don't know, £110 a week because Ollie said, look, I can't afford you. I said, just want to play. Just want to keep playing. So we play one game. I think we played Grimsby at the time in the old first division. They end up getting promoted QPR. And he went, you know, don't keep looking for the ball. I want you up and down like when we used to play against each other. You know, I want you to keep going up and down. I said, Ollie, that was like 15 years ago. <laughs> I said, oh, 30, 35 years of age. I said, I, I can't do that. He went, oh, but just keep trying anyway. Just keep trying to run up there. I was like, okay, now, Ollie, give me a chance, will you? You're nearly close to 40, not, not 21. But, um, yeah, yeah, Ollie was fun. Ollie was fun. Um, one more thing I wanted to, to touch on, Warren. We had a question. Now, can I just say, is this five for five then? Am I that good? is five for five. Yeah, yeah. Or about you, to change. you might need to change it. You might need to change yeah. the name of it now. <laughs> Barton, Barton's banter. Barton's banter. Something like that. <laughs> banter. Get that one in there. Yeah, I love that. Um, we had a question on Instagram. We put on there that, uh, that you were coming on. And, and one of the questions, which I, I really want to know the answer to, uh, as well from Lee Crofts, he asked, well, he wanted to know the truth behind Tamori Ketspire's celebration <laughs> when he scored against Bolton. and It was like a volcano, Tamori. Um, passionate man, he's a Georgian, obviously. And, and he's a, how he's become a coach, I don't know. Can you imagine him at the sideline, Tamori? Losing his really but he would <laughs> throw everything at you. Um, but very, very obviously passionate about his his plan, and he'd come there. And he'd been getting frustrated with Kenny Dalglish about not playing and you know not being involved and not getting the minutes he did. And he come on against, I think it was against Bolton, funny enough, and 
and got the winner or the equaliser. I think by the way he celebrated, it would have been the winner. Then he, then we knew that it was all coming out, the emotions and everything. Out. Virtually at the end of it, he was in tears of like emotion. Like it was like yeah. a volcano. Everything was coming out of him. But what was the funniest, if you if you ever look at it, is that. The fans, normally, if you threw something into the fans at the end of the game, like this shirt or a training top, they keep it. You know, they, they, yeah. they want to keep the top. But they obviously realise that we still have about another 12 minutes to go. So, Tamuri gets the goal, taps it in. You, you, you think he'd scored the winner in the World Cup final. Then the boots, he couldn't get the boots off, first of all. They started to come off. He started kicking the ball. And that, what made us laugh, the, the unbravest person ever was Pastoni, was trying to calm him down. Well, if you ever watch Pastoni... He was never going to get hit in the face. He was like, don't hit me in the face. And Tamuri's arms are going and Pastoni's <laughs> gone over there to stop it. But then realised that this fella's going to, he's going ballistic. I'm not going to get hit in the face. I'm too good looking. But he's backed <laughs> off. So we've all said, we're running over to him. But as we're doing, we're sort of laughing, saying, let him go. Because he's, he's losing. Yeah. It. He, he could end up being naked, naked at the end of this. <laughs> so the, he's trying to get the boots off that. I, can go, I mean, it could have hit a kid in the face. That goes throwing in the crowd. He's getting his shirt. That goes in there. But like I said, we knew we still had about 10 minutes. So normally fans would keep it. They said, no, no, take it back. <laughs> someone gets it again and throws it back in there again. The shirt keeps going backwards and forwards because it's like, no, go on, take it back. They're throwing it back. Tamuri, we finally, you know, calming down. And Kenny was a, a shrewd, shrewd man. I mean, Kenny, anyone that knows, Kenny don't like violence either. Yeah. So we, we've gone in. And Tamuri's still, ah, oh, fucking F this, F that, going crazy. So we're going, go on, Tamuri. You know what the lads are like, go on, Tamuri, go on. <laughs> Kenny went, I said to Terry Mack, you do the team talk, I'm going in my, my office. So brave as a lion, Kenny slips in his office, lets Tamuri calm down, and we're, you know, me, Al, and like, the, the, the senior players are going, all right, Tamuri, uh, enough, enough for that. It was only against Bolton. I mean, come on, it's not, it's not like against Man United or, or Arsenal or Liverpool. It's against Bolton, you know, settle down a little bit. So he gets together. And then Kenny, like, opens the door, sheepishly. But <laughs> so we go, Gaffer, you're all right. He comes out and goes, well done, lads. Great result, blah, 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 blah. Walks off. So funny, funny story. So, um, but it was hilarious where the shirt keeps going backwards and forwards because it's like, no, you have it, you have it. So we're at this point still trying to rip something off. I don't know what he's got. He's not probably got hardly clothes left, but he's trying to rip that off as well. Um, but yeah, a, a lovely, lovely man, but as mad as a March air anyway. But it was, uh, again, could never happen in the Premier League now. You no, couldn't no, do that. No. Someone to get, VAR would get involved and then it'd be chaos. The <laughs> FA would sue him, the Premier League would sue him and God knows what else. It'd say it'd be disturbing scenes by a Premier League player, but it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. No, but, uh, no. Thank you very much, Warren. We massively appreciate you coming on. Absolutely, class. pleasure. So, yeah, pleasure. Thank you so no, much, Warren. Yeah, no, no. As I said, it's uh, point, but uh, no, that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you. No, absolute pleasure. I know it's tough times for everybody. I've got people back in England, uh, my family, and my wife's family, and that. So I know it's all locked down, and uh, but we'll get through it. Hopefully, we're you know we're the same over here. We've had a lot going on. It's been tough times, but I think one thing with this, it, it realizes how. We miss the fans. Uh, you know, as much as the, the games are going on, it's it's still a big loss with the fans. So people like yourself and everyone else that does these to reminisce a little bit about the game and how it was and, and what we're doing, it, it means a lot to the players as well. It's not just a one-way thing. Brilliant. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, fellas. Cheers, Warren. Thank you very much again, mate. Enjoy the rain. Enjoy the rain. Go down the beach. Cheers, mate. Thank you.
what a guest Warren was, what a funny guy, and we'd love to have him back on maybe in the new year. So let's get on to our last week's score predictions because we're very good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Josh, let's start with you. You had Derby to win against Barnsley. That went terribly. We lost 2-0. Yes. Um, well, you 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 were not losing when I kept saying you were going to lose. So I thought you might win, and you lost. Um, I don't know. I don't. I'm not very good at predicting. <laughs> I think you know, the seven weeks we've been doing it now, you've got eight points and you get two points for getting the correct result and then the actual correct scoreline is five points. So you've got eight. There's nearly been more weeks than points that you've got. <laughs> this is a guy who puts on at least one acre a weekend. You don't know why you're on podcast, to be honest. You don't know how to bat. <laughs> you don't know how to bat. Um, yeah, I predict that they won't play this week. You're absolutely right. International break. I'll give you five points for that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know about the match. I didn't watch it or anything um, other than Derby are going down. Absolutely. They will be if uh, they don't sort manager out. uh, Luke, you added them to win 2-0. The same as me. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know much about Barnsley. But and this isn't meant to sound offensive towards them. You, you, Please do. Well, I, I, you know they're, they're a bit of a middling team at best. They're a relegation fighter in that league. I would have said you were at home. Um, you just got off. Was it the Bournemouth game before this? Yeah. Yeah. So you just got off a reasonable result, and I thought, you know, surely you'll surely you'll you'll win. Um, did not expect you to lose 2-0. I can't believe the guy's not been sacked. It's unreal. I, I, I can only assume... I mean, we were saying this four weeks ago that he should have gone. You've lost almost every game since. Um, I think, clearly, finances must be an issue in terms of sacking him. That's only a, only a conclusion I can come to. Well, I don't know if you've seen Derby amongst nearly getting taken over by, you know, the people who were supposed to be buying out Newcastle before yeah. they actually put it up another £10 million. Because <laughs> he's not greedy one bit. But uh, they're looking to be buying out Derby and it's been approved by the EFL. It's literally just going through apparently paperwork. But I've said to you before about the Burnley one, you don't believe out until it's signed and it's done no. over the line. So, I mean, maybe, maybe they're just thinking Mel's, Probably going, oh, I'm not going to put my money into sacking him when if this new owner comes in, they're probably going to do it for him anyway and that's pay that money. But uh, Probably a case. That's what Burnley's reason for not signing anyone was. Yeah. Well, apart from Dale. <laughs> Big D. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so maybe, maybe they're just waiting on that. I had obviously Derby to win 2 0. It's embarrassing that they're losing to teams like Barnsley, who. Uh, should have got relegated last year, only due to Wigan not getting points deducted and going down, sadly. So, in in other words, we lost to a, a League One team. Bit harsh. Who? That. Why is it? Oh, 
with due respect, then, then I took the piss out of you. <laughs> well, yeah, we lost two. You've got, no, you've got no right to um, see Barnsley as beneath you when next season you'll be having games against. <laughs> Who the fuck is even in League One? Uh, the same as Burnley, they'll be playing Barnsley, though, won't they? So. Oh, it's possible, very possible. <laughs> but uh, right, we'll move on to Brighton Burnley, which was a draw. Luke, you had that one at one-one. Yeah, it weren't a good game. <laughs> That's um, it was it was the type of game that if someone had paid fifteen pound for, I might feel pretty bad about it. How do you feel? I can't remember if I did. Was it free or not? I don't even remember. I think it was. Are you sure? Must have paid for it. <laughs> um, I just couldn't be arsed looking for a stream. Yeah. It, like, anyway, you don't need to know about that. What did I think of the game? Um, we just sort of dicked about a bit. And Ben Mee made a massive difference. He was excellent. He was the best player on pitch. Um, everything we've been missing at the back, without a doubt. Um, ties the whole team up there anyway the problem was everything ahead of the defence did not look like we'd have scored a goal in a month of Sundays Ashley Barnes doesn't look the same player since he's come he's been out for a year he's come back and he's, he, he just doesn't seem to have the um, the ability for this league anymore really some people would say it's debatable whether he ever did but he met up for that with his kind of canniness his Kevin Davis type play yeah but um he needs dropping. Nothing against him. I love him to bits, but needs to get J Rod back in alongside Wood, which did so well for us second half of last season. Um, and yeah, hopefully Ben Me coming back. We've had two clean sheets in three now. Hopefully we can start to build a solid foundation and get some points. We've got two points for getting the draw. I also had two points Everton against Man United, which Man U did win. Josh, you had them to lose 2-0. Yeah. Not even backing Ollie at the wheel. Uh, no, we did as last predictions on the night that we lost to Istanbul. That's how yeah. um, So I, were, I weren't in... Right frame of mind. Yeah, I weren't... I weren't well, I weren't fancying United. I thought it was going to be Ollie's last game, but it was... We were really good. Thoroughly deserved to win. Bruno were fantastic. Maguire were really good. Um, especially when we went 1-0 down, they just seemed to sort of knuckle down and, and really fight for for Ollie. I don't know. But the problem is consistency. We, we know United can be good. We saw it at back end of last season. Why can't we, we do it all the time? We've seen it in glimpses this, this season. Beating Leipzig 5-0, beating PSG in Paris. But it's just... A lack of consistency. It's mm. um, you, you're not going to win anything when when you can put in performances like Spurs at home losing six one and losing away to Istanbul. You, you're not going to win anything like that. So they really need to sort the consistency out. But I, I do think in a one off game, we they are good enough players to give anyone a game. So you just never know who's going to turn up. Yeah, Luke, you also got two points for that one. I mean, you had the exact same result of one nil Man United. What did you make of that game? Yeah, I, it was a weird one because I, 
I expected Everton to win. But on my bet, I put Man United to win. And on the predictions here, I put Man United to win. But in my head, I thought Everton would win. Very odd, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, um, they played well. You know, um, Everton have come unstuck a bit recently. Um, yeah. Man United turned up, which they can do when they're on when they're on the fall. Exactly like Josh said, they're a great side. Mm. But the problem is they don't show it often enough, and that's down to one thing: if you've got a great side but they're inconsistent and they don't show up all the time, that's the manager because it's the players have the ability, um, and they're not they've not been managed well enough. I don't think over the last two yeah. years. Yeah, I do think that lets them down sort of tactically and, and stuff you see. Yeah. It, it sometimes just looks like they've sort of just been go, told to go out and play rather than have a, a way of playing or, or whatever. Um, I've, I've said before, I'd love Ali to succeed, but I, I don't think he's good enough. So for our week's total, I've got two points and that's moved me from 31 to 33. Josh... Say the same. <laughs> Stay eight points. Luke getting four points, taking him from 11 to 15. We won't be doing this week's prediction. We've been international break. So we will be back the week after. Right. Okay. That's it for this week. Make sure you join us next week when we'll be chatting with a man who made over 450 league appearances, scored over 100 goals, Steve Guinan. Goodbye. Pie and a pint. Pie and a pint. Pie and a pint. Pie and a pint.